I want you to open your Bible this morning to the book of 2 Corinthians, the 8th chapter and the ninth verse. We'll eventually get to that verse, an amazing, awesome verse that I think is so appropriate for us at this time of the year, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. The last two weeks, we've looked at the words of Christmas, words that seem to be prevalent when we think about the birth of Christ. On December the 4th, we looked at the word peace and realized that Jesus came as the prince of peace into this world. And we said that through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, as Christ becomes a reality in our life, we can have peace with God. And through Jesus, we can have the peace of God. Not just upward peace, but inward peace. Man, when you think of Christmas, we think of peace. Peace, as the angels spoke it. But then... Last Sunday, we talk of, uh, spoke on another word that seems to be the distinguishing mark or message of Christmas, and it's the word joy. The angel said, we bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. And we talked about how joy, gladness, delight, enjoyment, that inner strength in our lives Jesus said, my joy I give unto you. So when, when we think of Christmas, we, a lot of people just think about, they think about shopping or decorations or, or they think about family and stuff, and that's okay. But no, we, we, we think about, hey, peace came in Jesus. Joy has come in Jesus. And this morning we come to the third word, and that is the word hope, H-O-P-E. Because truly, Christmas is a message of hope to lost, dying, and separated men and women. It is the message of hope. There's a verse that takes the two words of Christmas and speaks about hope. It's the 15th chapter of Romans. You don't need to turn there. We're going to go somewhere else in a moment. But in the 15th chapter of Romans... I want you to listen to what it says about hope. Verse 13, think about this verse now. It doesn't say the God of despair or the God of condemnation. He calls him the God of hope. But notice how he describes how we're to respond to the God of hope. In Romans 15, 13, it says, Now may the God of hope, Fill you with all joy and peace in believing, believing in Christ, who he is and all that he did. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, we're we're living in a world full of hopeless people. 
You take the third world countries where three-fourths of the people go to bed hungry every night. Think about those who are born in conditions and never seem any way out. Think about those who are born in lands of darkness where there's no knowledge of the true light of Jesus. Think about all the people you know and all they've gone through and experienced in their life. And I do not have to tell you that there is an epidemic of hopelessness. And some of you struggle, struggle with hope. I was speaking to a young man recently who just was released from jail. And I I looked at him and I said, I want to tell you something. Now, don't lose hope. Don't, don't, don't lose hope. I said, there is hope. And I want to say to you this morning, I don't know where you are. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know whether you, where you are, but I want to say this to you. God is the God of hope. And he wants to fill you with all joy and peace in believing. That you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Joy and peace in believing. And so as we think of Christmas, we think of the fact that it is hope. Hope was born in the stable in Bethlehem and laid in the manger. Hope was born. You know, it's like there was hope that came that Christmas day. Because God was really beginning again. It was kind of like God was starting over. You remember God began the first time with Adam. Sinless. In a perfect world. But Adam and Eve made the choice. And they disobeyed God. And Adam fell because of his sinfulness. And Eve fell. And from that point on. We've lived in a fallen world where people are born with a sinful nature. But you know, in the fullness of time, stay with me, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son made under the law to redeem those who were under the law. So Jesus comes, born in that stable in the manger in Bethlehem. He comes as the last Adam. He comes as the second Adam. And you know, it's like God is saying, I'm going to begin again. Jesus comes as the last Adam. He had no sin nature. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit into the Virgin Mary. And it's like God said, I'm going to begin again. I'm going to give men and women sinful by nature and by choice. I'm going to give them hope. And so it's like God was beginning again. When Jesus came into this world. You know, I heard years ago a a, a poem that I I, I just love and have never never forgotten. It's so brief, but it's just such a message. We all kind of feel this way. It says, I wish there were some wonderful place called the land of beginning again. Where all of our mistakes and all of our heartaches could be laid like a shabby old coat at the door, never to be put on again. All of us at times in our life just long for a new beginning. But I want to tell you there's hope for you in Christ. There is the hope of a new beginning. There's the hope of forgiveness of sin. There's the hope of breaking of the power of the sin nature. There's the hope of the presence of God in your life. And if there's one message that comes to me from Bethlehem, it is not only one of peace, 
but and not only one of joy, but it's one of great hope. Because when Jesus came into this world, hope was born anew in each of our hearts. You know, there's the verse I ask you to turn to that kind of shows us why we can have hope. That while there is a beginning again for each of us. And it's that verse in 2 Corinthians 8, 9. This is a great verse. And I, this is where I want to dwell on today. To show you why there's hope for you in Christ. Now, look at the ninth verse and listen to its words. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, grace is just this. God doing for us what we don't deserve and could never do for ourselves. He says, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, for your sake, he became poor. Now, wait a minute. That's, that makes it kind of personal. That though he was rich, for your sake, he became poor. That you, through his poverty, might be made rich. Now, wait a minute. Jesus, all the riches of heaven, became poor. He came to this earth. That we, through his humbling of himself and his poverty, might be made rich. I read this, and I don't know that I'd ever seen it before. There was a lot of rejoicing going on when Jesus was born. The angels were rejoicing. The shepherds were rejoicing. The wise men were rejoicing. Glory. But I wonder, what about the babe in the manger? It said Jesus was rich. But for our sakes... He became poor. You know, for Jesus to be born in that manger, he had to leave the splendor and the glory of heaven. Now, think about it. Oh, Jesus Christ did not come into existence when he was born in the manger. Oh, no. Born in the stable in the manger. Oh, no, no, no. He has existed. He's without beginning and without ending. He's the Alpha, He's the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, who was and is and is to come. He's always existed in glory. But there's a song that says, He left the splendor of heaven to come to earth and die. Did you know Jesus left the riches of heaven to come to this earth? He was rich but he became poor so that through his poverty you might become rich. You know, I got to thinking about how rich Jesus was in heaven. I, I guess he said, though he was rich, you want to listen to the riches of Jesus that he had in heaven? Listen to his riches. John 1 says, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. Man, the riches of Christ. 
He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was nothing made that was made. In him was life, and his life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. He was a true light which lights every man that comes into the world. Now you talk about rich. Then I got to thinking about that verse over in Colossians. You want to know how rich Jesus has been throughout eternity? And the Bible says, though he was rich, for your sake he became poor. You want to talk about how rich he is? Listen to this. He is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation. By him all things were created that are in heaven and that are in earth. Visible and invisible. Where the thrones, dominions, powers, or principalities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him everything is held together. I want to tell you about Jesus. He was rich. I love what Hebrew describes his riches. He is the express image of the invisible God, the brightness of his glory. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus, that though he was rich, for your sake, he became poor. That you, through his riches, through his poverty, may be made rich. You know, Philippians tells us that he became poor. I know he was just a babe in the manger. I know that. But I tell you, he fully understood when he left heaven Bible says the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. He fully was aware that he was fixing to leave the riches of heaven to go to the poverty of a sinful, sick, and fallen world. And you know, Philippians tells us that he knew exactly what he was doing when he became poor. In the second chapter of Philippians, I want you to listen. Now, I talked about the riches of Christ. But now I want to talk to you about when he became poor. It's, now listen to this. Let this mind be in you. This is Philippians 2, 5. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Who being in the form of God. Now the words there, the Greek word is usia. It's a, the same substance. It means he was deity. Who being deity. Who being in the form of God. Consider it not something to be held on to, to be equal with God. But listen, he became poor. But he made himself of no reputation. Oh, I guess he did. Born in a stable, in a cattle trough. He made himself of no reputation. Taking the form, now get this, of a bond servant. Now, I want you to listen. All things were created by him and for him, and through him everything is held together. The omnipotent Jesus. Taking upon himself the form of a bond servant and made in the likeness and coming in the likeness of man. Now, you talk about poverty. And being found in appearance as a man, 
He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. He was rich, but for your sake and my sake, he became poor. But wait a minute, that's not the end of the story. Read on. That we, because of his poverty, might be made rich. And man, I, I said, Jesus, you knew that by, even though you were rich, by you becoming poor, that it was through your life and death and resurrection that we could be made rich. And, and just think about that. I, I mean, that yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. And I got to think of the riches that we have in Christ. And did you know those words are used all over the Bible? Riches. You see, he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that you and I through his poverty might be made rich. And, and see, the reason we have hope is because of the riches that can be ours through Christ. And, and I, just, I just got to looking up where the word riches are used. I mean, just those words. But our riches in Christ. How through his poverty we became rich and that we have hope. Turn your Bible to Ephesians. I want to show you about four or five verses. And you'll see, man, look at the word riches. It talks about the riches of this and the riches of that that are ours because of Christ. Because he became a man, humbled himself, died on the cross. God raised him from the dead that we, though we are poor, poverty stricken, could be made rich through his coming. In Ephesians, the Bible says we have hope. In chapter 1, verse 7, through the riches of the forgiveness of our sin. And that is exactly what it talks about. It talks about the riches of the forgiveness of our sins. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you something. You talk about poor. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous. No, not one. All we like sheep have gone astray. You talk about poor, the poverty of the sinfulness of our hearts. But he became poor so that we could have the riches of forgiveness. And you talk about hope. Listen to verse 7, talking about Jesus. In him, Ephesians 1, 7. In him, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. It is through the riches of the grace of Christ that we could ever be forgiven. It says, though he was rich, he became poor, that we through his poverty might be made rich. But it says, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus. You know the grace of it. And it says here, the forgiveness of sin according to the riches of his grace. Man, I've got hope today because I want to tell you something, I was poor in every way spiritually. But Jesus Christ came into poverty so that through him I could be made rich. It's the riches, riches of the forgiveness of our sin. But also 
Did you know what else it is? Hope because of the riches of the forgiveness of sin. But there's the hope of the riches of salvation. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. The riches of the hope of salvation. And he talks about this in the ch- chapter 1, verse 18, about the riches that come to us in Christ. He calls it our, his inheritance. In chapter 1, verse 18, he says, I want the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, why Jesus Christ came to save you and why he saved you. What is the hope of the calling of God to us in Jesus Christ? But the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance, his inheritance in the saints. Did you realize the riches of the forgiveness of our sin? But the riches that come from the hope of his calling and of of God's inheritance in us when we are saved as saints. But it's it's the riches of salvation. Look at chapter 2 of Ephesians. And you'll see it very clearly. Look look at uh, verse 7. Now don't miss this. You see, let's just get that verse in our mind. Everybody was rejoicing when he was born, but Jesus took a big step from the riches of heaven to the poverty of a smelly, sin-stricken world. And he was rich, but he was becoming poor right then, I promise you. And that out of his poverty now, we know the riches of his forgiveness, and we know the riches of being saved. And that's where you find in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7, that in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of his grace. Look at the word. God wants to show you his, how exceeding his riches are in his grace. How exceeding they are. To show the exceeding riches riches of his grace in his kindness toward us. God's riches in his kindness toward us in Jesus Christ. And then he says it. For by grace you are saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift from God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God before ordained that we should walk him. Listen, man, I've got hope today. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And here's my hope, that Jesus, though he was rich for you, For the grace of the Lord Jesus, that though he was rich for your sake and my sake, he became poor, that we through his riches might, through his poverty, might be made rich. And now through Christ, his virgin birth, his sinless life, his sacrificial death on the cross, his glorious resurrection from the dead, that through Christ, you and I can experience the riches, the riches of the grace of God, the riches of forgiveness and the riches of salvation. And man, truly, when you're in Christ, you're experiencing the very riches of God. But you know, there's another aspect of it. Not only the forgiveness of our sin through the riches of his grace, not only our salvation. Hey, by the way, there's a, the verse over in Romans that talks about um, the riches of his grace. It's found 
in chapter 10, verse 12, well, verse 11, listen to this. Now, I want you to listen for the word riches. Romans 10, 11, for the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. You believe in Jesus, you're not going to be put to shame. Your sins are forgiven. For there is no, dis- for, for there is no distinction between the Jew or the Greek. He said, listen, as far as God's concerned, the ground is leveled at the foot of the cross. There's no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. He's rich to all who call upon him. For whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Man, Jesus became poor. And now you and I can be rich. Through his grace, forgiveness, salvation. But you know, there's another great promise. Turn back over to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. You know, really, you you could go out today and you could say to someone, I'm one of the top five richest people in the world. Oh, really? What's going on with you? Oh, you don't understand, I am, I am extremely rich. Well, how did you become rich? Well, I, I'll just tell you, Jesus was rich, and for my sake he became poor, that through his poverty I might be rich, and I'm walking around here, and I'm experiencing the riches of his grace, and I'm experiencing the riches of his forgiveness. I'm going to tell you, I am a rich man. Glory to God. But then, in Ephesians chapter 3, there's the riches of the fullness of the Holy Spirit. But it's just right here in this one little book of Ephesians, it just keeps talking about riches, riches. And in Ephesians chapter 3, and I want you to look at verse um, 16. Now get this. He says, he said, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you, Paul said to the Ephesian Christians. Go back to verse 14. He says, for this reason, I bow my knees. He said, I'm praying for you. That the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, would grant you. Are you ready? He said, I'm praying for you that the Father would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his Holy Spirit in your inner man. He said, the riches of forgiveness in Christ, the riches of salvation in Christ, but you might know the riches of the inner strength that comes from the fullness of the Holy Spirit, that you may be strengthened in your inner man by the Holy Spirit. Boy, I'll tell you what, you're talking about rich, If you're a child of God, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And God has come to dwell in you by his spirit. And we can pray, Lord, strengthen me with might by your spirit in my inner man. It comes to inner strength that comes by the presence of the Holy Spirit. And you talk about riches, friend. Listen, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You've received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that you've been baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. You've been made to drink of the Holy Spirit. And you've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. And he's got 
God's guarantee that what God started, God's going to finish. And man, you don't, you don't go out to face the world, the flesh, and the devil in your own power. You are rich in Jesus Christ. And the gift of Christ to us is the precious Holy Spirit who gives us the strength to live the way God wants us to live. According to the rich of his, of his glory, be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. There's one last thing. You know, Christmas is all about hope. God began again. And Jesus left heaven, the riches of heaven, was born in the poverty of a stable. But though that was just a symbol, because he left the riches of heaven and became into this world knowing, by the way, you you know what the poverty that Jesus endured was all right. I remember, and and I use this word. I, I just like this word. Jesus has always been. There's never been a time when he has not been. In the beginning was with God, but in time, in the fullness of time, he came a man, became a man, and lived on this earth. And God became flesh and lived among us. But I'm gonna tell you, Jesus was the darling of heaven. He was worshipped and he was adored. But he left all the riches of heaven and he came to this earth in poverty. Can I tell you? This is hard to deal with. He came and he was despised. He was rejected. He was mocked. They plucked his beard out. They had a choice between him and a horrible criminal. Who should I give you, Jesus or Barabbas? Give us Barabbas and crucify him. Now that's poverty. All he ever did was love people. All he ever did was heal people. All he ever did was hope, offer people hope. But I'm going to tell you something. Jesus went through everything he went through. Poverty. So that you. That you could be rich. And if he had never left his riches. And gone through the poverty. You would never be able to be made rich. Never. 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 In a thousand years. The riches of his forgiveness through his blood. The riches of salvation through his grace. And the riches of the indwelling Holy Spirit to give us the strength to live a righteous and a godly and a holy life. But you know what? There's one other verse about the riches. And I love this. And it's right there in Ephesians. And I want you to look at it. It's what I call the riches. the riches of the sufficiency of Christ in every area of our life. You know, I, I, just, I just got to look seeing this in, Confe- in, in Ephesians. I said, Lord, rich, rich. But then I said, but I understand forgiveness and salvation and the full. But what about all of life? And did you know that it says they're the riches of, of Christ that would make it sufficient for every area of our life? And you know where it's found? <laughs> Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8. Boy, and I've always loved this verse. 
But it's just a powerful verse. It says here, (laughs) boy, I love this. He says, Paul, talking about he was called to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. Paul knew who he was before he got saved, and you knew it was what he was by the grace of God. Now, now, now listen listen to what he said in verse 8 of um, Ephesians chapter 3. To me, Paul said, who am less than the least of all the saints. This grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. He said, I got the joy of just proclaiming to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches that are ours in Christ. But you know, you say, but Brother Fred, that's, that's really spiritual. Yeah, but can I just say something to you about being rich in Christ? What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Christmas is more than decorations and trees and family and gifts. What it is, is it's peace and it's joy in Christ and it's hope. Because you know the grace of our Lord Jesus, that though he was rich, for your sake and mine he became poor. That we through his poverty might know the riches of forgiveness the riches of salvation, the riches of the indwelling Holy Spirit, and that we might experience in our life the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. Just remember, we get with your family. Well, I tell you what we need to do. Y'all, we all need to celebrate our riches. And they're going to look at you. Well, you, did you, did you come into a windfall that I didn't know about? No, let's just talk about how rich we are, y'all. Man, we're rich. And I want to tell you something. In Jesus, glory to God, we are rich. And nothing this world can ever do can compare with it. Hallelujah. What a Savior.